Episode 1116, The Halloween Spooktacular 2023. The first ever, maybe last ever. We'll see how it goes. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Vendy Bono. And welcome, listeners, to the Halloween Spooktacular. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to to go for it, but I couldn't. Uh, You you didn't join me. Where's your evil laugh? It's the day before Halloween. It is. I'll probably post this tomorrow if I can. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Uh, It's going to be a cold one here in Minnesota. First, I mean, we've had some flurries over the last weekend, but I think the first snowfall is happening tomorrow. Yeah, it sure looks that way. I'm I'm thrilled because my sister-in-law, brother-in-law are coming over, and they're going to go take the kids trick-or-treating with my wife. Oh. And I'm not going. Oh, you don't go? I prefer not to. You don't like the time with the kids, watching them? Go, I love time with my kids. Go door-to-door and get it's, some candy. Okay, trick-or-treating with your kids is so stressful. They're tired, they're whiny, they're cold. Plus, you're mad. You're having them, for the only time of the year, walk in the streets while cars are driving by right. in it, the dark. It's chaos. Yeah, I, I kind of hate trick-or-treating. I don't hate it, but I can see why it would be stressful. Yeah, so we're off to a very festive start. For Happy Halloween. So, you messaged me last night. And said, I don't think it was last night. I think it was a couple of days ago. I think ago. it was last night. I'll find out, but it, it was, was recently. very recent. Yes. And said... What if we do a Halloween special episode? Oh, I just want. I, I was thinking Halloween. That theme. was it. No, this here it is from Sunday night. Oh, that was yesterday. <laughs> Should we do? Oh, from Sunday morning. Plenty of time. Should we do a Halloween themed main feed episode? And what could that be? Right. And no response. That was it. Well, I just just I was throwing it out there to see what you think. I feel like, you know, sometimes over on the Patreon feed. Oh, we have a, a series. I don't know if we've done more than one episode in it, but Ben's inventions. Yeah. And I come up with inventions. Yeah. And my inventions tend to be very high level. Okay. You know, like here's, it would be cool if this existed. Yeah. And the, that's the joke is that, you know, the details are missing. I feel like this is kind of a Ben's invention. Me for, saying, let's do a Halloween episode? Yeah. I mean, without I had... any prompt idea. Yeah concept spitballing sure it was just well the, the spitballing was and what would that be and then you say something back and then i say something back to you and then we kind of go back and forth on facebook but the message was ignored frankly <laughs> so that <laughs> the spitballing wasn't never had a chance well it's because I, I wanted you to like i thought okay i, I was waiting like for me to come up with something and i came up with some ideas but but none of them were like, great so and i, and I decided I, to do them all Okay, great. And I did tell you off there, if you had nothing but you were interested, my backup plan was I just recently watched Bram Stoker's Dracula movie from, I think, 1992. That's Halloween themed. I thought we could just do a quick movie review. Yeah, so and maybe we still will. I think I think we will hit on that a little bit. So I want to talk about uh, that a little bit. And then I have a, a question that I'm going to throw out and we'll come back to it. But here's my question that you can think about and the listeners can think about during the episode. What concept or conspiracy theory or idea, philosophical idea, you can be as broad, specific as you want. What thing that if it was true would scare you the most? 
Okay. So you can be... Wait, do I have to answer this soon? Soon, like in this episode. We're going to come back to that. Okay. I've, I've got some thoughts. Like, right. like we've talked about a lot of conspiracies. Yeah, I've, I've already got one. Yeah, so like maybe you're terrified of falling off the flat earth, and, and so that one would, would scare you. So we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. But I did want to start by more on the horror movie, and I think this is where we can get to uh, Dracula and everything. Because I, do I sense... A, a little bit of a softening in your heart toward horror films. I mean, a little bit. I, you didn't even let me answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know what makes you think that. But tell me more. Well, you've been watching a lot of the Universal horror films. But are they horror? They're kind of campy fun. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is definitely more gory. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ones I typically watch are the Frankenstein, Dracula, yeah, uh, Invisible Man, Mummy from about the forties. Yeah, you recently expressed interest in watching and reviewing Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. Right, I am interested in that, but you, you're the one that told me that one's not very gory, and gory is right. what I don't like. Okay, so what, the, I didn't say a conversion, this mm-hmm. isn't Damascus Road right. on the way to the haunted house, uh, but I think I sense a little bit of a softening of your heart. Hey, should we talk about haunted houses for a second? No, not yet. Come back to that. I should write it down. We're gonna forget. Yeah, this is a spooktacular, but we we need an organized spooktacular, right, not so, a not a not a run amok spooktacular. I do have an answer to this question because, as you know, hear me all the way out. On this I, I will. I'll let you answer this time. Let me just write down. I know sometimes house. I answer for you. Yes. But this time I'll let you. You're going to feel like I'm not answering, but just hear okay. me all the way out. Every year, my wife and I watch a lot of Christmas movies of varying degrees of quality. Right. And I keep track. I have a running ranking on Letterboxd for these various Christmas ones, but they're not sorted by year. I just have a, a big list of every Christmas movie I've watched over the years. And I realize, you know, I tend to do something where I watch more Halloween themed episodes or movies around Halloween, especially the Universal Monster movies. But like this year, I, I threw in Blythe Spirit. Yeah, David Lean. I threw in. You, you know that was David yeah, Lean, right? Yeah. I threw in Ghostbusters Afterlife. I know you didn't like it, but I watched that. Yeah. I would. I watched Dracula. I've got plans to watch. So I married a witch. Yeah. I know it's Halloween tomorrow, so I will be have to be here in the next few days. Well, maybe maybe it's kind of like uh, Catholics and Christmas, where the well, Halloween season begins. I made a Halloween season, so I realized I've been doing this for the last few years, where I sort of focus in on Halloween themed movies around this time of year. So I went back into my past diaries and narrow down when did I start this? And the answer to that question is the year 2019. In 2019, I started having a focused effort to watch Halloween-themed movies. And so I made five different lists on Letterboxd because it's just something I like to do. So 2019 through 2023 of what I call my Halloween season viewings. And because of that, I I had to establish a Halloween season. So I make my Halloween season September 1st to November 15th. So any movies I, I watch during that season become my Halloween viewings for the year. So I'm going to actually recommend that you bump it out just a little bit more. Let's go ahead and be liturgical about it. Because what is Halloween? Halloween is the eve of All Saints Day. All right. And why is All Saints Day in November? Because November is the final month of the church year. 
So the church year ends with Christ the King Sunday. So November is focused on remembering the dead. It's focused on uh, the end times, a lot of liturgical readings. And in, in, if you're in a liturgical tradition, pay attention to this. They'll focus probably more from Revelation, potentially, or other readings that focus on the second coming, the end of the world. So in the same way that Christmas begins the Christmas season, uh, Halloween, really All Saints Day, followed by All Souls Day on the 2nd, begins the apocalypse, end of the world, you know, end of the church calendar season that goes all the way to the beginning of Advent. So I think you can, you can probably push it through November. I don't think I will, because I start my Christmas viewings around mid-November, but I hear you. <laughs> so this is just my personal... Halloween season, September first, November fifteenth. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll review Midnight Mass at the end of November. Yeah, I'm thinking I can get it. I I haven't. I'm in the middle of the first episode, so I'm not very far into this. But uh, since you're watching it and uh, we have this, I'm idea, not rewatching it yet. Okay, well that's good. I I was kind of hoping it would be sometime in November. I would be yeah. done with it. End so, of November. So let's just shoot for that. I like okay. it, and I think I will. I even if I get past November fifteenth, I might throw that one on there because it's specifically I because I'll have started it during yeah. the Halloween season. So yeah. So to answer your question, did I am I more warm towards horror movies? Maybe on the very bland side, like I loved Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. <laughs> but I also included my Halloween season viewings things like Hitchcock films, and like I put Mulholland Drive on there. It's just a little bit surreal and a little bit creepy. A little spooky. A little spooky, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm looking on years past. Uh, like Terminator, that, the first one is more horror, less sci-fi. Yeah. So I threw that one on there. I've, I can see I put Jaws on there. Technically a horror film. So I, I, I think that what I see, oh, though... They Live. I loved They Live. Yeah. See, They Live and, and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula isn't tame. It's not extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not watching Martyrs, but it it's not tame. Okay. You know, it's a solid horror movie. Okay, well, I did it. I'd say of all the various versions of Dracula, it's probably the most gory. Hmm. Well, I liked it. I don't know. Not the gory part. I there's some, I think it just stuck the, the closest to the original book that I've seen of other Dracula stories. Yeah, it's really well done. So I, I mean, appreciate that. I, I, Keanu Reeves is awful in it. Yes. It's very bad. Winona Ryder. I mean, we've talked about this on a different show, I'm sure, but those two, the casting of those two in this film makes no sense today, but it made perfect sense in 1992. Right. But on the other hand, uh, Gary Oldman is spectacular. And there's so many things in that movie. Yeah, like just with... There's there's surreal shots that the way Francis Ford Coppola did it, and it's not... It's a lot of it is in-camera special effects, um, so it's not CGI and everything, but where you see you know Dracula's face hovering over the train, and there, there's a lot I love about that adaptation. It's yeah. not perfect, but it, it's really, really good. Yeah, I give it four stars. I didn't love it, but I really enjoyed it. I agree. I think that's about the right rating. Speaking of horror movies, I had a nice, uh, nice horror movie moment in the DeBono household last last night. I showed my daughter, my oldest daughter, The Shining. Last well, night. You had told me you were going to do this. Yeah. I was actually thinking about it this weekend, but I didn't know you were watching it last night. I was just thinking, dang, there's some things that are going to be awkward to watch with her. Like the nudity? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's more of a creepy scene yeah. than it is. But did you have to talk about things? No, because I, I think we have an, a good understanding of 
Like, there's things I'm not going to watch with my kids, and there's things I'm not going to show them at 15. But, I mean, in general, you know my stance on, on art, and we ought to be able to be mature about certain things and appreciate what's like what's actually going on in that scene it's not porn you know and so yeah it's it's a little awkward but it's such a a creepy scene that by the end of it it i don't think there's it's sexual at all is that the only scene that shows other guests at the hotel in the room 237 yeah oh there's ghosts in other parts no not ghosts guests well, room 237 is ghosts. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is, he, uh, the as he's walking through the hotel, I can't remember. Is there no one else that's staying there at that time? I well, no, that's the whole concept. Say that, I, I haven't seen this movie for a while. So yeah. I was thinking about The Shine this weekend, like I said. I was like, and I was thinking about bad things that, that you could encounter with your daughter. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was thinking, wait a second, are there... There's not very many scenes with guests, so remind me. I can't remember. I guess this might be well, part so of the- So the concept is that Jack Nicholson, Jack Torrance, mm-hmm. is hired to be the winter caretaker. Oh, so it's purposeful, purposely not having guests. Yes. But there are people there that should not be there. I'm actually thinking of well, a different scene. A uh, little bit of spoilers here, but there's that person that's dressed up in an animal, animal costume. They're yeah. not ghosts. Yes, they are. Oh, maybe I forgot about that. Again, yeah. I've only seen this movie once. So outside of the very beginning- where they show up as the, the, the hotel's getting shut down. And then uh, when uh, the cook, show, Dick Halloran, shows up briefly and then gets axed by Jack, uh, they're the only ones in the hotel. The Not whole, fired. Yeah. Like, axed. <laughs> uh, they're the only ones in the hotel. Only real people in the hotel. Everybody else is a ghost. Okay. Okay. I just kind of forgot how it all works. Yeah. Hopefully. I yeah, think. I don't think the dog scene's all that explicit. Uh, do your kids feel like they have to like what you love? No, I tell them they don't. Did she say she loved this movie? She she said she liked it a lot. She didn't say she loved it, but she was very happy. Like, it's a rite of passage. In you your know? family? Yeah, like, you know, and I, I purposefully didn't bring my 13-year-old to watch it. Because she wanted to have something that only she was allowed to see. Yeah. So like, there's there's things they know I watch that they're not allowed to watch, and so this was exciting. I know this I, was a rite of passage. I totally agree. I, I I also look forward to the day I can watch things with my kids, like the Marvel movies. All right. They haven't even seen them yet. Oh, I can't wait for man. that. Just think, someday I'll be able to go through all thirty plus movies with them one F- by one. Fifty plus. Uh, this is the Marvels, kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. So excited. Uh, yeah, like, you know, so probably then, and it's going to be a couple of years before I watch this with her, but the next level up's The Exorcist. Oh, my. That's, but I, I, I guess start- I don't shy away from objectionable content just because it's objectionable. There is a age maturity level that needs to be taken into account. There's also an awkwardness level. I'm not going to sit down and watch Eyes Wide Shut with my kids at any age. Um, you know, so there's there's things like that that need to be taken into account. But my theory of objectionable content, so-called objectionable content, is that we should treat it intelligently and evaluate it. The mere presence of that material doesn't in itself, isn't in itself a problem. It's art. And we should be able to have intelligent conversations and debates about art. So as I have 
about 15 days left in the Halloween season. Things I have on my radar to watch. You reminded me about Midnight Mass. Well, not reminded me, but I have not got very far. Uh, I want to watch again. You might like this. Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Have you watched Werewolf by no, Night? No, and I'm not going to. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I thought you may not, but it is a one shot separate from anything else Marvel's doing. That's, anything that's, that's going through the bland Disney machine. I hear you. I don't have an interest in. I'd like to rewatch that. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, you'd recommend to me Nosferatu, but the version starring uh, Klaus Kinski. Yep. With Werner Herzog. Yep. And that's perfect because uh David Eggers, that's his next movie. Okay. He's he's remaking uh not David Eggers. Yeah, David Eggers. The the Northman, the Witch, mm-hmm. Lighthouse, uh Nosferatu. So there'll be three Nosferatus and they're probably all gonna be great. Wow. And then finally, So I Married a Witch. Those are that that's gonna round out my Halloween season viewings. Actually, speaking of Nosferatu, have you ever seen uh Shadow of the Vampire? No. So it's a movie, it stars John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe, and it's about the filming of Nosferatu, but with the twist that in the movie, the actor who plays Count Orlock is oh, an actual vampire. You've told me about this, but I haven't yeah, seen it. that might be a good one to you watch. You also want to watch Young Frankenstein. Oh, that's really good. I think I would like that. That you doesn't count for your horror movie. Yeah, I would put it in there. I mean, it doesn't count. It can count for your list, but what yeah. I'm saying is it doesn't count for your Damascus Road I softening of your heart. You know what I love? Uh, is it is that is the Gene Wilder version of Wonka Charlie in the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I'm yeah. actually gonna watch. I've never seen it. I'm gonna oh, watch really? it with my kids on Friday because Man. we just finished the book. It's one of those ones that as a kid I saw multiple times, played on TV, and, but then I saw it a few years ago as an adult for the first time and loved it. And then I watched it with my daughter maybe a week or two ago, and I mean I loved it even more. I don't want to hype it up for you, but I think it's great. I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, have you seen Young Frankenstein? No, this will be my first time. Really, it's very funny. I don't know if I'll have time to fit into all the viewings, but cause especially with Midnight Mass being like seven or eight parts. Well, just give yourself until the end of the month. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll put that you, one off. You got, we'll see. You got time for it. Uh, one other recommendation I have. Speaking of Mike Flanagan, then we can get back to my question, yeah. my existential question. Uh, his new series, Follow the House of Usher. Yeah, you finished it already. Yeah. How long is it? Eight episodes. Okay. Uh, not as good as Midnight Mass, but it is very good. Just give me something about it without spoiling. So it takes cues from not just Fall of the House of Usher, but... I don't even know what that is. It's an Edgar Allan Poe short story. Okay. So every episode kind of takes cues from different uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories. So think of it as succession but filtered through Edgar Allan Poe. Now that you're saying Edgar Allan Poe, maybe we talked about this when we were hanging out with Brian. I think that maybe I did know now that you're saying that it was connected to Poe, but all right, keep going. So that that's it. That's the pitch. Oh, that's not really a pitch. I don't know what <laughs> what's the gist of the story. Oh, the gist of the story is that you have a wealthy family uh, led by Roderick Usher with a bunch of kids who want to inherit the empire and and this is not a spoiler because you find this is how it begins. Okay. And then you get the backstory, the very beginning of the first episode. All of his kids have died in a short period of time. Oh wow. Okay. And then we go back and find out. So then he has no people that inherit. Yes. So, so fall of the house of Usher. Okay. Is it is the vibe of it horror or comedy or it's it's horror. Okay. Let's say see how you feel with Midnight Mass. It's not gruesome. But 
if you can see how you feel of Midnight Mass first. So I'm committed to Midnight Mass at this point. So just tell me what to expect. Is this one also, you said it's not as gory, but it's horror. So uh, what should I be preparing? Um, I would say that from my, and it's been a couple of years since I watched it. I think that the final episode, if I recall, gets a little bit more violent, but beyond that, it's more just creepy stuff. There's is no, it monster violent or like a human who is horrible and evil violent or monster violent? Okay, I do, but pre- I don't want to tell you any more than that. I just want I prefer monsters over like evil humans. I understand because it, yeah, yeah. But you know, they're a metaphor for what. Evil humans. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't want to tell you any more than that because right. I find yeah. with it being a metaphor as long as all I have to actually see is a monster. Right. You just want to look at the metaphor. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's it's more about what these characters are going through, and I'd say for large portions of the series, it doesn't feel like horror at all. What does it feel like? I don't want to tell you. Okay. Like, I really, I'm not, like, you're not going to be bothered by this series, but I, I think it's so spectacular and letting it unfold okay. through all of its twists and turns. It, It's like you're seeing things because you know it's a horror series. You know the bottom's going to drop out, but what you're watching is, like, miraculous. Okay. I am a little worried, but I'm going to do it. It's amazing. But I'm a I, little worried. It, it, It's very, very, very good. All right. Want to talk about haunted houses? Yeah, we can do that, and then let's get to uh, what what scares you in real. How do you feel about haunted houses yourself? You know, I went to some as a young man and had a good time, and now it just feels dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested. I I don't, hate, I don't I, need to see a teenager jump out <laughs> and pretend to be a ghost. Yes, I hate them, but not because of the costumes or any of that, but I don't like the feeling of being startled. I, yeah. I hate that is true. That is the single worst part of horror movies is the jump scares. Yes, I hate jump scares, and you can kind of usually tell they're coming, so I just don't watch. So jump scares, in my mind, they can be used effectively, but very rarely are. More often, movies with lots of jump scares are just, it's a cheap way to a- accomplish fear. Like, think about The Shining again. The Shining doesn't have any jump scares in it. What it has is this overwhelming sense of dread that just builds not even through creepy imagery though that too Mm -hmm. but through the music through surrealism through the sense of something's wrong and it just builds and builds and builds cheap movies that can't do that and granted few people can do it as well as kubrick but can't even do anything close to that they use jump scares as a crutch that's why i don't like them they're lazy the last time i remember going to a haunted house i was in high school now, I know you don't like the state fair, but here in Minnesota, the state fair is very popular. So a group that one's of a creepy haunted house. Yeah, so I, I, a group of friends from high school went th- to the haunted house. I at that point, even then, was not interested in going to a haunted house. But in high school, it's, peer pressure. It's harder to be brave. <laughs> I mean, brave against your friends. <laughs> right, right. Yes. So I just went in, and I, I, if I remember correctly, I literally just held on to whoever was in front of me and closed my eyes to the whole thing. Huh. And I think that's how I made it through. Wow. Yes. That's I that would have been late high school. I, I, I get yeah, I get startled easily. Yeah. And I don't yeah, I just don't like scary imagery, but specifically if I'm thinking of a haunted house, what do I like about it? Startling. Being startled. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of haunted houses, so I actually had an experience this weekend that made me a little thankful for a haunted house. Okay. So I, on Sunday night, I think, no, Saturday night, uh, my my older kids and I went to a theater production of Dante's Inferno. Yeah, I, I saw you went there. It was uh, it was spectacular. Very I've well been, done. I've been to that, uh, I don't know if they call it a playhouse. Yeah, open window theater. Theater is the yeah, word I was looking for. Right. A house that does plays. Right. <laughs> I've been to the top theater before, uh, but I saw kind of, well, kind of a Halloween creepiest version of The Christmas Carol. Oh, it's a Catholic uh, place, actually. Okay. It's a yeah. Catholic uh, theater. And so Inferno, very good. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, of course. It's hard to, to get all of Dante in there, but it was really well done. And as we're sitting there, like they've got music and everything and very atmospheric, but in the background I'm hearing screams and you're oh thinking, my oh my gosh, that's like, you know, sound effects for the damned in, in the <laughs> Inferno. Nope, there's actually a haunted house next door to it. <laughs> and so what you were, but it really, it worked very perfect. well. It worked so well. That is perfect. Like normally you'd be deeply annoyed that you're overhearing people in the middle of a play, but what you yes. <laughs> just were hearing screams all throughout the Inferno. It was great. So I mentioned that I went to Duluth, Minnesota yesterday. Yeah. And there's a mansion up there called the Glensheen Mansion. And it's probably most well known for having a double murder there. Do you know about this? No. So they do tours. And it, it's a very fancy mansion. But the focus of the tour is this notorious murder that happened. I bet you didn't like that. I didn't go to the tour. Oh. My daughter was very interested in it. She kind of likes, yes. The same daughter? Who... Yeah, I have a daughter. My oldest daughter is into like disaster books right now. And so when she found out that there was a, a tour about the murder at the mansion, she really wanted to go, but I had to say no. She's, so she's your young. daughter, when she gets to be my daughter's age, because Ellie was my oldest. The Shining. She, she suddenly has gotten very interested in horror movies. And she, was, uh, oh, she Ellie... specifically requested that we watch some horror movies together. Really? So... Just throw out some other ones you've watched. Again. So we've only watched The Sixth Sense, and that's okay, why we started yeah. that just to see how it goes. Signs. That's semi horror. Yeah, it's got some horror aspects. Yeah, I like that one. I bet that's a good fit for Midnight Mass and Signs. Yeah, yeah. I'd say Midnight Mass is Signs scary. Really? Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's good. I love Signs. It's my favorite M Night Shyamalan movie. I mean, it's it's fine. I like Signs. Hey, I know you're worried, but I think this is a good spooktacular so far. I feel like we're hitting a lot of spooky topics. I, we are. We are. I, I think it's turning out pretty well. So I am going trick-or-treating, and I'll be doing what I do every year, which is I, the kids dress however they want, and I put on a Spider-Man sweatshirt so I can feel like I'm involved. Do you still wear your banana costume? I wore it just for the run last year, for that Halloween run. Yeah. But I don't wear it regularly. For Why any not? events. Well, I, I mean, I figured you didn't wear it in day-to-day life. No, I... I I use that specifically for youth ministry because it's sort of a, a funny prop. And then I used it for the Halloween run. But no, I don't really wear that banana costume too often. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> collecting dust. Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man sweatshirt. That's the way to go. Yeah. I, I don't like costumes. Yes. All right. What scares you? Yeah. So of all the... You, you said you had an answer. So yeah, I've right away. Thoughts, but let, what what concept, if it was true, doesn't have to be one you believe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or even think is possible. I immediately went back to Kooky Christmas because you did right. say what conspiracy. And so I thought through what you've talked about. And speaking of that, listeners, we're going to come back to Kooky Christmas at the end of this episode. Uh, the one that I think, not that I believe this, but the one that would just make me right. the most upset if it was real 
would be if we are a simulation and let's just say our let's just say our faith system isn't even real right like we've it's been programmed into us to believe in jesus but that whole concept is fiction or let's say jesus is real but we're just computer programs what does that mean for us exactly it would really put a damper on my whole anti-ai yes. initiative <laughs> so or like the basilisk, basil. Can you say that word? Rocco's basilisk. That this is the thing that. Well, yeah, they, can you just give give the gist of it? Uh, the gist of it is, um, in the future, AI after the singularity uh, will become godlike and will create simulations to figure out who helped and hampered its existence, and it will torture the consciousness of those who hampered its existence. Yeah. So if you and I, for example, were found to be people that were anti AI. Then, oh, this is why you're you're keeping one eye open for Chad. Yeah, you're like, you're like I, trying I, to thread that Rocco's basket. Yes, exactly. Needle. I gotta I gotta keep one foot in the door on in the door with the AI just in case. So yeah, if that option of us being tortured forever as a consciousness was real, like yeah, that that's terrifying. Yeah, and I I'm right there with you. Simulation theory would be to have that actually be true. I know, like we read um what was that Neil Stevenson book, uh, Fall. That yeah. kind of played around with that in a more optimistic way. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I love the book, but I I don't agree that mm-hmm. it would be optimistic in any way. It would be uh, nihilistic mm-hmm. to realize that you are a computer program. Like it would have to be the end of all your value system, right? Yeah. Like, like what do you? What does meaning even mean mm-hmm. at that point? So philosophically, yeah, kind of tied to that, I'd say anything that leads to a nihilistic outlook on life would have to be terrifying. I'd say in a more fun way, more fun way, I was thinking about this, like obviously the lizard people. If the elites, the royal family, whoever else were actual lizard people uh, and and they've been ruling, uh, ruling the world secretly we've already been controlled by aliens for some ultimate agenda like all of those various alien in control conspiracy theories are pretty terrifying when you think about it so maybe like anything that says aliens have already visited and they are secretly running the world you have to wonder for what nefarious event mm-hmm. uh you know it's i so i reread to my kids arthur c clark's childhood's end which it's not quite that, but Arthur C. Clarke thinks that he's writing about some great optimistic future. To me, it's this horrifying nihilistic world that he's putting out. So I, I would say that. And then my final answer um, would be thinking about all of our CIA conspiracy theories. And I I don't know which direction is more terrifying because they're both terrifying. If the CIA isn't behind any of them, then they're just incompetent and all, you know, these things, they're actually powerless. And nobody's actually in charge. Mm-hmm. However, if the CIA is behind all of these conspiracy theories, uh, what does it mean that the CIA took out a sitting president with JFK, that they have mind control? I was thinking about that last night because you have a reference to Monarch, Project Monarch and The Shining. Uh, you know, all of that either way being true, the, the presence of a deep state broadened it out from the CIA is terrifying. The absence of a deep state is also terrifying. Hmm. So 
as we exit October and we head into November, it's usually around late November that you start throwing out some kooky Christmas episodes. So you voiced to me, I think off there, that you're kind of stumbling when it comes to preparing for kooky Christmas this year. Is that right? I, I don't want to say stumbling, but kooky Christmas has to happen. It usually comes to you. Exactly. Sometimes months in advance. Yes. And I'd say nothing's exactly come to me, but I think I think there will be... There will be maybe fewer kooky Christmas episodes, but there will be kooky Christmas this year. So listeners, if you're worried to hear that and you have a great conspiracy you want to share with us, write us at feedback at the com, just so Ben can at least review it and see if something sparks. Yeah. No guarantees. It's got a spark. Yeah. Because what it, like with all of our bits, you know, going all the way back to the beginning, the Stan Lee quote of the week, right? People, longtime listeners remember that. It's funny because it's not forced. The second you like have on your agenda for the week to come up with the Stan Lee quote of the week, it sucks. Moon news. Same thing. It's funny because it's just happening. You know, kooky Christmas is great because they're interesting and inspiring and you read about them and they're exciting. Like if it becomes homework, like we have to go up and come mm-hmm. up with four conspiracies to talk through, you're going to be able to tell and it's going to suck. And I'd rather not do it than do it and have it suck. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So there's something happening, but we may need your help. So feel free to email us some suggestions, although there's no promises here. Yeah. All right. Should we wrap up this? But you know... Speaking of things that start out, and they're great, I think our first annual Halloween Spooktacular was a pretty big home run. Yeah, I love just kind of a hodgepodge Halloween episode. Oh, man, a a Halloween hodgepodge. That's good alliteration. I mean, Spooktacular, no one else has come up with that term. That's true. And so I like the originality of it. I do like how that just came to you. So, well, listeners, thanks for joining us this year. Happy Halloween. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DiVono. And we're the Sapphire Christians signing off. Goodbye. Looking through my movies. Would you consider Predator Halloween? Or kind of in the uh, horror film If you're going to consider Terminator Halloween, then fine. Okay. But I wouldn't consider either of them really Halloween. Teen Wolf? <laughs> I, I don't even know what Teen Wolf is. Are you serious? Uh, Michael J. It. Fox plays a teenager who finds out he comes from a family of werewolves. Oh, that sounds like a movie that... If you didn't watch it in the 80s. Oh, uh, yes, definitely. It's you from, probably don't it's from watch it. the same year that Back to the Future came out. So in one year, he had Teen Wolf and Back to the Future. Well, that's pretty good. What's your take? I might not keep this if it gets too controversial. But what's your take on Christians who hate Halloween? Uh, so it's funny because, you know, I've talked about like the midwit graph. I saw one this last week that on the, you know, low intelligent the IQ bell graph. Uh, so the low IQ people are saying Christians should celebrate Halloween and then the the mid-range, the midwits are long block of text on why Halloween's satanic and then the intelligent people are Christians should celebrate Halloween and that, that about sums it up for me. Like, yeah, it, if you... It, it's just such a dumb take. It's a really dumb take. And quite frankly, if we want to rant about it... Uh, Wait, it's a dumb take to be against it? Yeah. Because do you, you know, they think that it's based on a satanic holiday. It's not. It's based on All Saints Day. I'm sorry that Protestants forgot about liturgy, some Protestants, but that doesn't make it go away. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to, people who are against Halloween, 
and they're just against it. They don't do anything. I disagree with them, but I'll respect them. People who are against Halloween and have a harvest festival. Or a trunk or treat. Trunk or treat's a little <laughs> different because it is like, it's just a, trunk or treat's kind of nice for small kids. Okay. So I kind of get that. It's not really, like it's explicit, trunk or treat's still explicitly Halloween. But okay. a harvest festival. Fake Halloween. On October 31st. Yes. As a costume party. Have the courage of your convictions. You're wrong, but have the courage of your convictions. Don't have fake Halloween. Like, either commit to it or stand by your guns. I can respect either of those. I can't respect the Harvest Festival. I did did see somebody post online. I, I won't be able to quote it perfectly, but she said... Our family doesn't celebrate Halloween, but we do like to dress up and just have some fun. <laughs> right. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, she has her kids dressed up. They're going for candy, but it's not Halloween. It's so lame. All right. I, yes, I've, uh, I grew up in a family that, that participated in Halloween, uh, but they were not Christians, the family I grew up in. Right. And then now that I have kids, I do take them trick or treating. Yeah. So I guess I landed on pro Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I would, we were not allowed to have scary costumes. Growing yeah, up. I guess I don't know about that. I think I was Batman every year. Hey, you know what I want to talk about with you someday? <clears throat> Maybe I should. Maybe let's end this episode in case I, I don't want to conclude this on the episode. Well, people got to know. People like you can't just leave it like that. What do you fine? I'll just tell you what what I may want to talk about, and if it's a short answer, we'll do it right here. Okay. And if it's a long answer, different episode. So <clears throat> I was thinking about how. I didn't read. I read comic books as a kid. Did not read them at all for most of my twenties. And then I, I wish I remember the exact year, but it was in like my thirties where I started getting comic books from the library again and kind of catching up on modern day. And then, you know, eventually I got to this point where I'm like, I do not have time to commit to this. Right. And so I kind of let me let me cough real quick. We talk for a second. Yeah, yeah. So <coughs> I, I know it's the end of the episode where anything goes. <laughs> I didn't come up with anything. I just made sounds mostly. Thank you. Uh, so I finally kind of got to this point where I realized time-wise I can't do it. Plus, a lot of this isn't for me in the way maybe it was at one point. Right. But you got there a lot earlier because when I first met you, you were still exploring some titles. Yeah. And then at some point you just cold turkey stopped. And I, I'm wondering what your journey with that was like because you were collecting way more comic books than me. Yeah. I, I like comparatively, I was a very casual fan, right? And I don't even know where where's your collection these days. I don't know what. Oh, I think for, it's in storage. And then what made you just cold turkey stop? If it was cold turkey, uh, so for both sides, I I'm incapable of doing things half heartedly, and that's a blessing and a curse. Uh, when I dive into something, I like I have to go full on, and then you know so that. That's where the comic stuff came from. And then on the other side, though, I think it's not that I don't, like, I, I'm still fine with the format of graphic novels and visual medium. Like, I don't have any issue with, with uh, the medium per se. Um, I do think that people who would only read that, and not read actual books, uh, at least raises an eyebrow at me. Uh, but be that as it may, I'm fine with the, the, the medium. I, I think on the other side, though, the realization of how exploitive most of it is to the consumer. Like, I hate that. I hate the fact that I'm 
you know, a, a loyal collector or whatever. And so much of this is just either designed, engineered to take my money for crap, false scarcity, all of that. I hate that. I absolutely resent it. Um, and then so much of it is just garbage. Like there's not, it's not that it's all garbage. It's not that you can't have a great comic book superhero storyline that that's artistically meaningful of course you can but like to get there and to find it you're just wading through so much crap that's that's low quality that's like you're having to watch or read all of this stuff to get to those few jewels it's not worth it and it's it's not just that it's a, a bad ratio because you could argue Sturgeon's Law, but it's engineered to be a bad ratio. And I think that's the thing, is how much of it starts to feel just deliberately exploitive because it's engineered to eat up as much of my time as possible. I hate that. I resent it. Okay. So you're saying there may be a Batman book that you would enjoy today. Yeah. But because there's so many, because you like to be all in, there's so many other things that you would have to process to be able to get the most out of that batman book right you'd rather just not do yeah, anything and, and that's what i mean by engineered to be exploitive like we're gonna have you know, think of like events comic mm -hmm. book events you know and then there's eighty-seven thousand tie-in series and everything so if you and then we're gonna have a reference that it's very much like what marvel started doing in, in the mcu that really turned me off to it and that instead of having a piece of art we're gonna have a piece of art plus a bunch of other stuff that's setting up this and referencing that. And like the whole goal is to create this spider web. And then for you to feel complete, you have to go watch everything. So it's exploitive. Like you're a completionist, which means you want the whole thing. You want to experience it in its totality. Like I'd argue that's actually a great tendency for enjoying art. Like you don't want to just take it halfway you want to experience it in its totality the way that the author or artist or filmmaker wanted it to be experienced that's a great tendency and it's being exploited and then because of how it's being exploited not only are you wasting all this time on junk you're not actually spending your time on things that are valuable it's 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 and it's not just that, oh, you know, it's just mindless fun. No, when I say exploitive, I mean that there is a corporation running Marvel, a corporation running DC that is deliberately trying to suck as much of your time and money, or to put it another way, your life as possible to raise their stock price. That's it. This spider web exists to drain you of your time and money. I do think that that's what you're saying is true now. And I think that's something you came to over time, but I'm thinking back 10 years ago or more when you stopped reading. Yeah, that's what I, I, I don't know mind? if I would have been able to articulate it, but that's the impulse. Okay. All right. That does answer my question. I'm, I think for me, the main, although I agree with what you're saying about the corporations that they do, they, they do try to get as much out of us as they can. Uh, I think my biggest impact or the biggest impact for me was time. I just don't have time to give that when there's other things I want to give time. But, but it's, yeah, it's, 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 that's part of it, right? Yeah. All right. Listeners, that's it. So long folks. Right, goodbye.